Make Life Delicious, the podcast, is more than the food we eat. It's what else in life that makes us feel, be, and act delicious. We'll have conversations about real life, its messiness, and the things we can't live without. The ups, the downs, and the things we do on the daily to maintain our health, strength, and our balance. We'll talk about the unconventional wisdom and the alternative practices used in raising families, from healing to sex, because life's juicy. We are so excited and so ready to share how we make life delicious every day and how you can too. This is a Soul Fire production. I feel like you got to talk about this one because you you created the family. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we did. And we had fun creating you. Okay. By the we, you can't say it because it's you and me. It's you and dad. Yeah, dad and I. We created you guys. Love Papa Curry. I know. Oh, so. She's got a lot to say about this. I have a lot to <laughs> say about this. So um, communication has always been the number one, I guess you want to say, rule to daddy's and my relationship. And how we carried it over is how are we going to communicate with our children and build good communicators within our family? And so how we did it was this family table. And from this family table, by coming together, we were able to use this time at dinner time or our our weekly family meetings. We had family meetings. Uh, to really hone you guys in your skills of communicating. And I think we'll get into the family, but I like what you said because that's the key. You and dad had good communication, which then you were able to pass on to me and my three sisters. That is something that's so crucial. So I'm curious, how did you guys do that? I mean, being high school sweethearts, being together for... A really long time now. <laughs> almost, almost 50 years. I think we're at 48 years this year. 49 years this yeah. year. Yeah. So how did you guys develop that? Because you were you always good communicators? We were. You know, it was really funny, Megan. Um, Dad and I both were class flirts. We were outgoing people. And we loved talking to people. We loved communicating with people. And I think once we came together and having like two separate religious backgrounds— we had to communicate really well with each other. And then I think too, like when people will ask us, what's the number one thing in marriage? What's kept you guys going for so long and and really building this great relationship between the two of you is always number one communication. Okay, but I'm what I'm saying is like, okay, being vulnerable is hard. And if there's something that comes up, like having a difficult conversation, I can remember with ex-boyfriends of mine and just even with my sisters and friends, like when you have something that's bothering you, how did you guys get to that place? Like how did you first get to do that? Because it wasn't like you're, you're, it wasn't always easy. No, it wasn't easy. But I'll just tell you, you know, once we got married, Mm -hmm. we had a rule, never go to bed mad. And there would be times, let me tell you, the first year of marriage with dad and me, it was not easy. Because as you know, we had an open relationship for the first eight years of our relationship where everyone was like, what, what, what do you mean? It was like we, Friday night was open date night. We could date other people on Friday night. We never broke up. I dated a guy for two years while I was still with dad. And 
And we just always communicated. It was like, it was an easy flow. That was a 70s man. (laughs) People (laughs) thought we were out of our mind. People would be like, what? And we're like, yeah, because I think that really set the stage for having this open communication for us. Oh, for sure. That's so much trust building. and Trust and truthing. You know, you had to tell the truth because you would know, you know, if you weren't telling the truth. And it was like that really developed our trust for each other and communicating. Like, you know, he'd come home, I'd be at his mom's house and he had just gone on a date using my car and I'd go, so how was it? And we'd all laugh. (laughs) And that's a very (laughs) unique situation. But I do remember you sharing in college, you took a course on jealousy No, I took a course on family marriage and you had to read the book, Open Marriage, Mm. which my sister had an open marriage and I was always so curious about it. And the two chapters, this is, this is it. Oh my goodness. The two chapters in the book, Open Marriage was on jealousy and possessiveness. Mm. And daddy and I literally took an oath about jealousy and possessiveness. We didn't want to have that. And so by communicating with each other, and understanding, you know, is this about being possessive? Is this about being jealous? No, we honed that skill that we truly just loved each other unconditionally. And we had this saying, well, if you're going to leave me, then it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I remember that's something that we that has stuck with me when I was in high school and started dating people. And, you know, that those insecurities that come up naturally being vulnerable with somebody and sharing your getting intimate with somebody is really vulnerable. And that idea of like possessiveness and, you know, having this mentality that like, if it's, if you're, I mean, it's kind of harsh what dad would say. It's like, if you're stupid enough to leave me, you're stupid enough. Like that's (laughs) like kind of the thing like that he would say, but it really stuck of like that worth, that self-worth and trusting that like, these are two individuals coming together that makes a choice to be together, but that you are two separate beings. And I think that it also trans transitions into any relationship, whether it's with a girlfriend or a friend of any kind or other family members. And so, you know, really that's what we did. It's what we knew. So by bringing it back to this family table, that's what we wanted to instill in our children how can you communicate as kids? I mean, I think Sam was only like three years old and Alex six years later was nine when we started this. Mm-hmm. And we did it every Sunday. You know, we'd have these family meetings every Sunday talking about all things spiritual and, you know, respect. I mean, every every Sunday was a different theme that we would do. Yeah, I remember these. It was Sunday brunch. We'd all be sitting down was it like after dad would go to church and we would kind of talk about the theme of church. And that's why it's so interesting. It wasn't really about the religion. You, it was very open. It was about a conversation about those morals of, I think, what is so beautiful about religion is it's that these are morals for life, how you should be treating people, how you want to be as a person in this world. And that's what it was 
really an open conversation around. Right. And it was creating those values that we wanted. Instead of giving it up, giving the power up, because you did go to Hebrew school for two years. Yeah. And I did not, I can't say I loved it. No, we had a great <laughs> teacher. She was fabulous. Yeah. But, and then when it was time to try out catechism, because oh that was the thing. Yes. All your friends were like, no, don't go. And then you came to us. You're like, it's boring. I don't, I don't think know. necessarily the friends. I think after doing two years of Hebrew school, and Hebrew is a hard language too. That's like not easy. Um, you know, you gave us the choice. This is what I love so much about you and dad is you really gave us power of choice. You mm. you had a conversation and be like, okay, you did two years of Hebrew school. Do you want to do Sunday school now? Or if we don't do this, you're still needing to get an understanding of dad's religion. Well, and just us being able to give you values that we believe in, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how did we do that? And you all chose, no, mom, you homeschool religion. And so that's what we did. And we kept that agreement every Sunday whether, you know, it was going to work or not. It was kept to 20 minutes. Yes, some of them were a little longer if someone was having a, a problem or a meltdown. <laughs> that would happen. But in the end, though, it, it really brought to light what was the most important thing for us as a family. Communication, being kind to one another. How do we teach kindness and compassion? And really be critical thinkers, you know, and open communication. Cause I think what you're saying too, you know, it was, if something was going on, as you can imagine having four girls all very close in age, especially as we got into middle school and high school and our hormones are raging and things are happening and feelings are getting hurt. Fights are happening. Like hair is being pulled. Clothing is being stolen. Like these are things that we had to, it was like an open space that we would come together and kind of have a resolution being like, okay, my, like I'd be fighting with my older sister, Alex, like we're going to talk about it and say why, or there was the Annie and Sam, the two younger sisters, if they were in an argument, like we're going to like have a conversation or if somebody's feelings was hurt, like it was a place to a check in with one another. Mm -hmm. And, and whether it was just between the four of you or something that happened at school, it didn't matter because we lived on a block with there were, what, 20 girls on the street that, you know, there was always stuff that was happening. And so it was like, you could come back to home base. Home base was this family table. And we had dinner every night together. There was always the opportunity to communicate and to really talk about things. So you were not only getting a daily dose of communication practice, you were also getting a weekly dose of a value that I'd bring to the table. And dad and I would come together and talk about all these different values that we wanted to instill in our own children. It was a nice bridge for growing up Jewish, daddy being Catholic, and us bridging together a sense of spirit within our home. Yeah, I think that's something that I would say is like, I didn't, I feel very spiritual. It felt very open-minded. And I think it made me, like you're saying, compassionate towards all things, very open-minded for my experience in this world as a product of these Sunday meetings and these conversations, you know? I mean, even my like, my quote unquote rite of passage, like I didn't, I never had a normal- Well, a bat mitzvah. Yeah, we, we didn't do a bat mitzvah because, you know, it's just being respectful for dad. And so we created what was a 
a ritual when the girls turn 13 and it's beautiful. So these were the things like, it was very much like you created it for us. And by having these dialogues, like in that time, like we very much had ownership of what we wanted to create in this world and within this family and having like when arguments happened, like, or disagreements happened, it was always a welcomed conversation. I mean, I would even say to the fact of like my friends in high school, this was, they would talk to you instead of their moms. Like that saying of like, you really are everyone's mom. Like you are like you, you, you had that ability to, uh, that allowance for people to to tell you what was going on because you asked questions. Thank you for that, Meg. I think also one of the biggest things is being, you know, in the safe space on the family table and also knowing that A, it's your story. I'm not going to share it with anyone else. This is, you know, your ability to do that, but also the non-judgment. We're all here to help you figure out whatever it is that you need to figure out. And not forcing it too. You know, sometimes like I can, there were definitely times in high school where like you as a mom, I can imagine not, I'm not a mom, so I don't know this, but you see your child hurting. Like you want to know like, what's going on? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Like we don't have locks on our doors, but you would allow me to have the space to kind of process it on my own. And then I think because we were always in the kitchen, you're always cooking these homemade dinners and I would do homework at the kitchen table. As things would come up in my mind, I had the space to share it with you. Also because you spent a lot of time on your other businesses and traveling or whatever it is that you were doing, um, you allowed for that space for me to come to you. Well, and another really great ritual that we did make that offered the ability for you to talk is bedtime. Dad and I would take turns, you know, we'd each take two of you guys and we would massage your hands and your feet. And it's a very tender, vulnerable time at any age to rub your kid's head and just allow you to then have private time conversations. And I think during those times too, you felt very safe to open up and talk to us. That's a very special time as well. Definitely. I, especially as a young kid, felt so loved. I always wanted to be massaged last because that meant dad would fall asleep in bed with me. And so I would get to cuddle him for a little bit longer and then would hear the of you calling him down the hallway to wake him up and bring him back into your bed. Um, But I, I think that touch so meant so much. Like dad literally is the world's best hugger and his hugs, like you meant it. The kissing on the cheeks, like we're very affectionate. And I think that too, because a lot of people receive it differently. Like you're doing a great job. Words of affirmation, you know, the five love languages, like as children, you, you feel that. So you guys really gave that all like, you know, on Mm. special occasions or birthdays, there were gifts. So like as a kid, like you kind of got to touch on all of those so that as you grow up, you learn what are those things that help you feel love. And you guys were so great at doing all of those things throughout the year by giving us hugs, kissing us, like talking to us, quality time. I mean, you can imagine with six people in the family, a lot of our trips were spent 
in a car, road <laughs> tripping somewhere. <laughs> those Camping. were but those were the best. And as much as like, you know, when you're in it and everyone's screaming in the car and you got the, you know, back then there were no TVs in cars and things like that. But Oh no, I had my CDs. It, yeah, you would have <laughs> CDs or tape or something like that. But at the end of it, when we go to look back, some of our fondest memories are those long road trips that that really also helped build a family foundation as well and those relationships with your sisters. Which I was something that you always shared with us. You always made it known that the family unit is the practice. If you can't communicate here or be vulnerable or share your thoughts or learn how to work through challenges, that's how you then take it out into the world with your friends. And that was something that you really shared with us. Like you always said, like your sisters are your best friends for life. Like you made that like how you kept sharing with us constantly how lucky we were to have each other also so close in age. And even though the difference is, I know I'm very fortunate being in the middle, I'm close to in age to all of my sisters. It's like the largest gap is between Sam and I, which is four years, which really never felt that large. Um, I know for Sam and Alex being six years apart, it was a little bit more, but I always had this gratitude of like, how lucky am I to have four the three best friends for including you because you always consider yourself a sister. You're one of the sisters. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. Curry girl. We're the curry girls. But yeah, I, I think that was something that I'm so grateful for because I do have friends that are estranged from their family members, are not in as close with their siblings. I have friends of mine that are like, damn, I wish I was closer with my brother. Like I'm, I love like, my sisters and I are truly best friends. We spend mm. so much time together. And it is a testament to how you raised us. Thank you, Meg. You know, and and I think, too, that um, that makes my heart so happy, you know, as you guys get older and you really start thinking about this. It makes a difference when your kids know that they matter. They're being seen. They're being heard. They're being counted on, you know. And so having that within a family really, I think, helped set our foundation for building this wonderful Curry family. Yeah. I mean— yeah. You guys did a great job. And I think it just all comes back to the fact that you spent so much time communicating yourselves. What did you always say? You're like, <laughs> if I'm not taking care of myself, first and foremost, I can't take care of your father, then I can't take care of you. You had this hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And I, I still yeah. do to this day. It's like, if you can't take care of yourself first, you have nothing left to give to the relationship with dad. And then I have nothing left to give, to give to my kids. And that's the hierarchy because you want to keep the relationship with yourself and you want to keep that relationship that's going to go way past when the kids all move out with your loved, with your, with your soulmate, you know, with your partner, you know? And we saw that. And I think that modeling of you, you know, you and dad had your date night. You'd lock yourselves in your room. The one room in the house that had a lock was their bedroom and they'd have their tub time because again, we love our tubs and like we all knew and it was the night that we would go out of the house. Like, I mean, that like that in of itself, like sex was always openly talked about. You guys would always kiss in front of us. And like when you're younger, you're like, ew. But then as you get older, you're kind of like, 
kind of cool. My parents like really do love each other. Like you <laughs> saw it, you modeled it. Mm. I think that's a key thing with kids, especially it's like, I always talk about this with my clients. Like they're trying to get their kids to eat more vegetables. Well, are you eating the vegetables? No, if you're not eating them, the kids are watching you not eat them. So why the heck do they want to? Kids are smart. Kids are so smart and they see everything. Oh, they drink it up and there's whole sponge, they're sponges. So when you tell a kid you're sitting there and if you're having a cigarette or you're having a drink and you say, but don't you do that? They're like, well, but you're doing that. When I think that's another good thing too, is like, you know, as you get older, the conversations you had around, which deserves its own podcast in itself, but like, fuck. Oh my God. That's my favorite word in the whole wide world. We did. And that's going to be in another podcast. It will be in different, but like these, these more difficult things, like as we started getting sexually active, I mean, having four young girls, you kind of have, you had to have these conversations. Also, as you get older, you're more curious in terms of like drinking and drugs and all these things that you're getting exposed to. Nothing was taboo to talk about in this family. That openness that I know if I had something to talk about or if a rumor was going around or something I didn't understand, I could come to you without judgment and without accusation of had I done something wrong or whatever, and that I could talk to you about it. And you could share that with me. You could, it felt, you created a safe zone. This felt safe. Well, and and I just want to say one other thing too, Megan. I, I always said that there's a difference. I'm I'm not your friend when you were growing up. 100%. You were definitely not my friend. I'm you your were my parent. mom. <laughs> I am your parent. And that is my job, number one, to keep you safe, clothed, fed. And that was, that was my baseline right there, you know? Because then there'll be time when you get older and when you move out of the house. But my job is to raise beautiful, healthy, strong, functioning children. And that's what dad and I did. And Darn, we were like so blessed with you guys, you know, because it it worked. You did a good job with that. And I love that so much. Like now I can say you truly are one of my best friends. I'm so grateful that I chose you to be my mom and that you birthed (laughs) me. (laughs) But that is, I think, something that, yeah, when you're growing up, there were times I'm like, I wish you were just like a little bit cooler, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just, you were my mom. And I, I so appreciate that now. There was such good boundaries. Cause I think as kids and the more that like I studied in psychology and college and like all these things, like, I mean, being a nanny for decades, you see that kids are constantly learning their boundaries. That's it. We're constantly pushing the boundaries to see what's acceptable, what we can get away with to create your boundaries, which are really boundaries are there to make you feel safe and to feel good. Oh my God. I am so happy that you said that because let me just say, I had two grandmothers, my two nannies. One was so strict, but I knew my boundaries. I adored being with her. And the other one was kind of loosey-goosey, and there really wasn't much boundaries. And I loved her. But the difference is kids need boundaries. Being a special ed school teacher, that's the one thing that I learned. And it helped me with raising kids is that you need to know what's defined here. You know, what can you do? What walls can you bump into? What is a non-negotiable? 
and you created that within our family, I think Mm. those boundaries were really clearly established during those Sunday meetings, Mm -hmm. during these conversations that we've had. I remember negotiating with you in high school about my— my curfew and like making it try, always trying to push that boundary as a kid, you know? Yeah. I I think it's that stability within the family home and that stability I witnessed in your relationship as a product of that, I can say I've been able to bring those into my, all of my relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm so grateful for that because I truly do feel like we have such a special bond and family. And I think it's something that a lot of people always say, like, how did you do it? Like, how, how are you so close with your sisters? How are you so close with your parents? And I know you get that question a lot. lot. Like how, why do your kids all like hanging out with each other? (laughs) And I think it's a product of what we did growing up. These trips that we took together, these really learning how to talk through challenges and appreciating each other. Yeah. Oh, so fun. And I know there's going to be so many more questions that you guys have for Peggy, like (laughs) Peggy (laughs) for bags, (laughs) (laughs) because she is like, you are such a wealth of knowledge in the mom department. I think there needs to be more podcasts where you just share what it was like having four girls and how you did this. Because I know this is something that so many people are curious about. And I think you shared a lot of good things in like how you did it with us. Hmm. Thanks, Meg. I really appreciate that. That's really huge because it's not easy raising children. It's a big full-time job. And, you know, you don't realize moms wear over 50 hats. You can't pay moms what you pay one person. And I remember someone just did this on on an Instagram story. I was laughing, you know, it was like the job of the year. Yeah, director of operations. Yeah, director of operations. (laughs) It was like so great. And that's what it is. I took my job seriously and I wanted to raise incredible children. And I think that dedication that I really poured into it, that daddy and I both poured into it, really made a difference in raising and and really building this family foundation. I love it. And if you loved it, share it with your friends. Share it with a new mom, sisters, brothers, whatever it is, people that you want to build a good communicative relationship with. If you liked it, rate and review our podcast. We love having these conversations with you and getting to share more of our experiences and Peg's wisdom with all of you. Mm. And you can always follow us along on Instagram at Curry Girls Kitchen, YouTube, and our website, Curry Girls Kitchen. We're sharing blogs, all the things. So we love you and we'll see you next week with another one. Bye.